A question today from Satya Victor, who says, We believe that we are monotheist, and even Jesus says, not even to call him good, and say, The one who has sent him is greater. Then how can you explain that Jesus Christ was God in the flesh, and the Holy Spirit is also God? And this is one that came in by email, isn't it, Ray? So I'm not really sure where Satya is writing from, but I think it's a Middle Eastern or an Asian country somewhere where, of course, you've got a balance between religions like Islam that believe in one God only and religions like the Hindu religion that would have hundreds of gods. And so where does Christianity come in there? And, and she's asking this question, good question on the Trinity. And it's also, of course, one of the mysteries of the Godhead that I don't think we're really going to fully understand until we get to heaven. However, Ray... We've accepted, and the principle of this Bible Answers slot here on AWR is that the Bible is what the test goes by, what we base our faith on, and it's in the Bible that God reveals himself, both as the Almighty God of heaven, and as we read through it in the mystery of the incarnation or the birth of Jesus Christ, and even yet again in the Holy Spirit. Yet within those three, we believe that they are one God. So what does the Bible actually say about this topic then, Victor? Well, the Bible itself doesn't actually prove the existence of God. It assumes it. It starts, Genesis 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God, and go right through the Bible to the other end, and it ends Revelation 22:20, 20, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. It assumes God is there from beginning to end. Now, in contrast to the surrounding nations of Old Testament times, the Bible does teach that there is only one God. Deuteronomy 4 and verses 35 says, The Lord has shown you this to prove to you that he alone is God and that there is no other. The New Testament also demonstrates that same kind of unity in God. Many passages there we could quote, but maybe John 17 and verse 3, And eternal life means knowing you, the only true God, and knowing Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So, in the New Testament, you're kind of getting a little branching out, the one true God, but Jesus Christ is a part of that Godhead. However, even while the Old and the New Testaments affirm this one God, they also have a plurality within the Godhead, with the Father, with the Son, with the Holy Spirit. For instance, in the Old Testament, God says, Let us make man in our own image, and behold, man has become like one of us. And in Isaiah 48, and also in Isaiah 42, verse 1, we have a picture of the three parts of the Godhead working together. Well, we've been looking at texts from the Old Testament, which tends to give a fairly clear picture. How does the New Testament contribute to this? Does it make it even better, or does it add anything at all? Well, I think it makes it clearer. In the Gospel of John in particular, we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, often called the Comforter or the Counselor, working together. And as we study the characteristics of each part of the Godhead, we see that they've got one purpose, one mind, one character. You know, John 3.16, we keep quoting that verse here in Bible Answers, but you see the relationship between the Father and the Son. And in John 16, verse 7, and the surrounding verses, we see the Holy Spirit functioning to comfort and to counsel in a larger role than Jesus could do himself, limited by his physical presence there in one spot. So how can we fit in the statement from the original question where Jesus says, don't even call me good? Well, that's in Matthew 19, verses 6 and 7. Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler who comes to ask him a question and calls him good master. 
And Jesus answers that by trying to stimulate this rich young ruler's mind and saying, why do you call me good? Nobody's good but the Father. Jesus isn't saying to him, I'm not good, or even I'm not God. He's just saying, why are you asking me that question? as opposed to anybody else. Why do you think I'm good? It's a very well-established teaching technique, and Jesus goes on to use it in the passage by asking the young man about the commandments before eventually getting to the point that commandment-keeping isn't enough, but rather following God 100%. In this case, by the young man giving up the center of his life, his wealth. And so Jesus' discussions not about the Godhead, but really is, is simply a way of trying to touch this young man's life. What does a name mean in Hebrew, Victor? Because I think very often when we go back to the original, we actually get some more light on topics like this. Well, that's a good question because Saita here has been asking about God and the name of God in Hebrew life was very, very significant, far more so than in modern society. And that's why Jewish leaders were shocked when Peter said to them that it's only in the name of Jesus that they could be saved. That's Acts 4 and verse 12. And that's why it was also very significant that in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, Jesus tells his followers to make disciples and baptize them, not in the name of God, but in the name of the three parts of the Godhead, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Jesus sees them on an equal level, three in one, one God, but the mystery of the Trinity.